Peace be upon you. If I was to ask you, who's your number one adversary? Which entity is holding you from obtaining God's absolute mercy, from making it back into paradise? Most people when asked this question, what they'll do is they'll point the finger at Satan. They'll say, Satan's the one who's uh, holding me back. And while there is some merit that Satan is our enemy, and God tells us to treat him as an enemy, Satan's power is limited. Satan can only extend an invitation. If we choose to accept his invitation, the blame is solely on ourselves. In 1542, God tells Satan, says, you have no power over my servants. You only have power over the strayers who follow you. So if we choose to accept Satan's invitation, then the blame is solely on us. In 1422, we read what Satan's going to say on the day of judgment. It says, and the devil will say after the judgment has been issued, God has promised you a truthful promise. And I promised you, but I broke my promise. I had no power over you. I simply invited you and you accepted my invitation. Therefore, do not blame me and blame only yourselves. My complaining cannot help you, nor can your complaining help me. I have disbelieved in your idolizing me. The transgressors have incurred a painful retribution. So if we choose to stray from God's path to accept Satan's invitation, we're solely to blame, not Satan. Satan is more of a, uh, you can think of him as the, uh, the, uh, the fan, the cheerleading squad, but he's not the actual adversary. The adversary is ourselves, and more specifically, it's our egos. So what is the ego? In the introduction from Dr. Rashad Khalifa to the Quran, we read the following paragraph. It says, the horse has no ego. The horse's owner can be rich or poor, tall or short, fat or thin, young or old. The horse will serve them all. The dog has no ego. It will wag its tail to its owner, no matter how rich or poor the owner might be. The sun rises and sets every day at precisely the times prescribed by God. The moon follows its synchronized orbit around the earth without the slightest deviation. The human body, a temporary garment, belongs to the earth. As such, it is a submitter. The heart, lungs, kidneys, and other organs perform their functions without our control. So we see that the ego is what's sending us astray. And these animals that God has placed into this world, they have no ego. They chose not to to come into this world with an ego. And because of that, they have certain characteristics. And we see that there is another parallel between the animal and the human and what differentiates the human with the ego. In 2543, the subtitle reads, The Ego is a God. It says, Have you seen the one whose God is his own ego? Will you be his advocate? Do you think that most of them hear or understand? They are just like animals. No, they are far worse. So there's a correlation here, again, with egos and animals, that a human being with an ego is worse than an animal. An animal is just simply doing what it's programmed to do. A human being is making a conscious choice to defy God, to go against God's word when they choose to uh, follow their egos. And we see another clarification on this in chapter 7, verse 20, when the devil is tempting Adam and Eve in paradise. It says, the devil whispered to them in order to reveal their bodies, which were invisible to them. He said, your Lord did not forbid you from this tree except to prevent you from becoming angels and from attaining eternal existence. He swore to them, I am giving you good advice. He thus duped them with lies. As soon as they tasted the tree, their bodies became visible to them and they tried to cover themselves with the leaves of paradise. Their Lord called upon them that I not enjoin you from that tree and warn you that the devil is your most ardent enemy. 
And I was thinking of this. What was it that when the, the human being, Adam and Eve, that chose to defy God to approach the tree and not only approach it, but eat from it, that their bodies became visible to them? Um, if anyone has a pet, I have a dog. I don't think my dog thinks twice to the fact that he's not wearing any pants, that his <laughs> private parts are exposed. And something happened when the human being tasted that fruit, that they became conscious of their bodies, not to the point of just understanding that they have bodies, but something more, some uh, form of self-identification. And um, we can see that this is the, the, the root cause of the ego, is when we put an over-importance on the self as opposed to everything else. And we see this in the example of Satan. Satan becomes a perfect metaphor for what it means to have an ego. And if we can understand Satan's characteristics, Satan's actions, we can understand what an ego is and ultimately how to kill and overcome our ego. So in the Bible in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, we read what Satan's thoughts were before he was exposed, uh, before God uh, told him to prostrate before Adam, to serve Adam, the human being. We saw what Satan was thinking. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of dawn, you have come down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recess of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So this is what it is when an individual has an ego. It's this over-reliance, over-importance of the sense of self. And the characteristics of ego can be broken down to three parts. And the third part is actually a byproduct of the other two. The first one is pride. Pride is strictly a feeling that you are better or more important than other people. In, in Isaiah, when Satan is having these thoughts, he's not acting out these actions yet. He's having this sense of pride, that he's better than all of other uh, God's creatures, that he is going to put his uh, his uh, assembly above God's. And um, the second one is arrogance. Arrogance is the behavior that shows you think you are better or more important than other people. So while pride is the feeling, arrogance is the action. And the byproduct of pride and arrogance is ignorance. Because when you behave in this way, you're never going to learn from your experiences. You're never going to see your shortcomings. And it's going to lead to your own demise and your own ignorance. And ignorance is the lack of knowledge of information. In 45.23, we read, the subtitle says, a common form of idolatry, the ego is a god. It says, have you noted the one whose god is his ego? Consequently, God sends him astray despite his knowledge, seals his hearing and his mind, and places a veil on his eyes. Who then can guide him after such a decision by God? Would you not take heed? So when someone chooses to follow their ego as opposed to God's word, or shows depictions of what an ego is, what they're doing is they're blinding themselves. And this pride, this arrogance leads to ignorance, and it leads to their own fall. And it's interesting, we can break down, just by looking at the example of Satan's interactions and Satan's thoughts and Satan's, uh, the way that he uh, approached God, and realize what it is to have an ego. And by identifying these characteristics, we can, God willing, apply to our own lives and try to do what we can to rid ourselves of our own egos. Because this is the last form of idol worship that we have to uh, refrain from, that we have to destroy, the last idol we have to destroy in order to make it back into God's kingdom. So when you look at what is it, the signs of identifying an ego, the very first one is this belief 
this uh, belief of pride, arrogance, that I'm better than he. In 7.12, we read when God is interacting with Satan and says, he said, so God said, what prevented you from prostrating when I ordered you? He said, I am better than he. You created me from fire and created him from mud. He said, therefore, you must go down. You are not to be arrogant here. Get out, you're debased. So Satan had a belief that he was better than Adam. He was better because he was made from fire. Adam was made from clay. God gave him these God-given powers. This made him superior. And because of that, he was not going to do his job. He was not going to serve. And if we catch ourselves in our own lives, when we're put in a situation where we have to do something that we think this is below us, we have to realize that this is our ego. God controls every single interaction, every single engagement we have, every single task we have to do. God is the one who put us in that position. We don't work for a company. We don't work for a boss. We don't uh, report to a teacher. We do this because our boss, our ultimate boss is God. And we do the things that please him. So if we ever think that God gave us a task that's too little, it's questioning God's wisdom. And this is a sign of ego. And what happens when you have ego? Ego leads to rage. And you can see this because Satan, after this uh, being exposed, his mission is to try to send as many people as he can to hell. The place of ultimate unhappiness, the place that is farthest away from God, total misery. This is what Satan's end goal is. And it's because of this ego that he has this rage towards these people. And we see the same example in uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 27, in regards to the story of uh, Abel and Cain. So these are Adam's two sons, and it's the first murder. And it reads, recite for them the true history of Adam's sons, two sons. They made an offering, and it was accepted from one of them, but not from the other. He said, I will surely kill you. He said, God accepts only from the righteous. If you extend your hand to kill me, I am not extending my hand to kill you, for I reverence God, Lord of the universe. I want you, not me, to bear my sin and your sin, then end up with the dwellers of hell. Such is the record for the transgressors. His ego provoked him into killing his brother. He killed him and ended up with the losers. So what is this sin that Abel is telling Cain? I want you to bear and not me. This sin, I believe, is the ego. Cain had this ego that he was so resentful of God accepting the offering from Abel and not him that it filled him with rage, that he wanted nothing more than to eliminate Abel as an individual and grow his uh, his ego. And Abel, on the other hand, went in the path of saying, I'm going to grow my soul. I'm not going to rage against you. I'm not going to think I'm better than you. If you extend your hand to kill me, I am not extending my hand to kill you because I want you to have the ego and not me. Ego is something that it lacks any humility. It's this belief that we think we're better than other people because of the God-given powers that God has given us. Maybe God has given us, you know, resources, wealth, looks, um, uh, connections, you name it, power, prestige. These things get to our head. And the second we think we're better than other people because of these God-given powers, this is our ego at play. And God tells us things to humble us. He says, we exalt in uh, 1276, it says, we exalt whomever we choose to higher ranks. Above every knowledgeable one, there's one who is even more knowledgeable. In 1785, it says, they ask you about the revelation. Say, the revelations comes from my Lord. The knowledge given to you is minute. If we will, we can take back what we reveal to you. Then you will find no protector against us. These powers that we have, these capabilities we have, the ability that we have to see, to think, to, to, to contemplate, to interact, to negotiate, these are all blessings from God. And the second we forget that and we think that these are coming from ourselves, 
then we've completely lost focus and our ego's taken over. Now, what's really awesome is you take the example of Joseph, right? Joseph was, for all practical accounts, he was a slave, he was a prisoner, and then he was the second to command to Pharaoh. But he never changed. His position, his title looked different. But what was really inside was the fact that he was serving God, meaning these titles are meaningless. Because I guarantee when uh, Joseph, and we know, when Joseph was under uh, the governor uh, as a slave and working for him, he did not behave as a slave. He didn't take himself as lowly, despite what his title said. Same thing when he was a prisoner. He didn't consider himself a prisoner. He acted in the sense that he was, this was what God wanted him to do, and he performed in his best ability. Not to impress the other people, not to think that he's better than anyone else, but solely to please God. And when our intention is to please God, to do basically our utmost to please God, then we're doing it with the right uh, conscience. But if it is to boost our own ego, to exalt ourselves, then we're doing it for uh, to, to please our egos, to please Satan, to accept Satan's invitation. And 449 says, have you noted those who exalt themselves? Instead, God is the one who exalts whomever he wills without the least injustice. 5332, they avoid gross sins and transgressions except for minor offenses. Your Lord's forgiveness is immense. He has been fully aware of you since he initiated you from the earth and while you were embryos in your mother's bellies. Therefore, do not exalt yourselves. He is fully aware of the righteous. And God tells us if we're seeking dignity, if we're seeking uh, exaltation, that we have to seek these things from God, not from anyone else, not from other human beings, not from our boss, not from our parents, not from our teacher, professors, you name it. 3510, anyone seeking dignity should know that to God belongs all dignity. He ascends the good words and exalts the righteous works. As for those who scheme evil works, they incur severe retribution. The scheming of such people is destined to fail. The next criteria of being able to tell when our ego is taking over is this belief that we're going to put our opinion above that of God or his messenger or his revelation, so God's words. This is a clear sign of arrogance. So while the first one is to believe that we're better, this is, again, a byproduct of that. Because if you think you're better than other people, ultimately what you're doing is you're thinking you're better than God. Because when God issues a commandment, tells us what the truth is, and we choose to actively defy it, we're putting our opinion above that of God and his messenger. And we see this again with Satan in his example. God tells Satan, prostrate, to serve Adam, the human being in this uh, planet Earth, and Satan refuses. And what this is showing is the fact that God is giving a direct commandment and Satan thinks he knows better. And this is arrogance and it's putting his opinion above that of God. And when he does this, it's the clear tell uh, sign of an ego. Moses tells the children of Israel when they start worshiping the golden calf in 254, it says, recall that Moses said to his people, my people, you have wronged your souls by worshiping the calf. You must repent to your creator. You shall kill your egos. This is better for you in the sight of your creator. He did redeem you, most merciful. So what's happening here is the children of Israel said that, hey, God told us to worship God alone, to devote our religion to God alone, but we want to worship this golden calf. The second that they set their opinion above that of what God commanded them to do, it's a uh, sign of an ego. And Moses is telling them, kill your egos. Don't just, you know, put it away. Don't just minimize it. Get rid of it. Eliminate it. 
if we give them uh, the ego the slightest chance, the slightest uh, space to exist, it's just going to grow and grow and grow. It's no different than cancer. You have to eliminate it completely. And we see this continuously when we put our opinion above that of God, God's messengers, God's revelations, and we think we know better than what God has dictated for us, then we're following another source beside God. In chapter 6, verse 121, it's talking about mentioning God's name before you eat. It says the disbelievers will argue with you. If you accept their understanding, you will be an idol worshiper. So if we take another opinion above that of God, that becomes our idol. If it's someone else, then we're worshiping that person. If it's a scholar, an imam, a priest, uh, you know, some scientist, whatever, if we take that opinion above uh, that of God's, then that becomes our idol. And if we take our own opinion above that of God's, then our opinion, our ego becomes our idol. And this is what it means to worship your own ego. Surely those who argue against God's revelations without proof are exposing the arrogance that is in, hidden inside their chest and they're not even aware of it. Therefore, seek refuge in God. He is here, the seer. This is uh, 40 verse 56. And I wanted to emphasize this for the next point. So right now we know if you think that you're better than other people, sign of ego. If you put your opinion above that of God's, it's a sign of ego. The second and the third one is this aspect of not even being aware of it. Human beings have a tendency of self-justification. We think that our shortcomings are virtues. Somehow we trick ourselves into believing this, that we say, oh no, I'm not lazy, I'm patient, right? I'm not angry, it's righteous anger. And we make this self-justification to be able to justify our bad deeds. In 47.14, it reads, are, they, are those enlightened by their Lord the same as those evil uh, whose evil works are adorned in their eyes and they follow their own opinions? And we see this in the sense when we create self-justification, we're trying to excuse our own bad behavior. We like to sugarcoat it. We like to make uh, uh, excuses for it. And this is not correct. And when we do this, this is our ego trying to defend itself. Our ego trying to get, uh, hide itself, to make itself disguise itself as not being that bad. And we see this in the response from the governor's wife when she was asked about uh, what her claims against Joseph in 1253. It says, I do not claim innocence for myself. The self is an advocate of vice, except for those who have attained mercy from, their, uh, from my Lord. My Lord is forgiver most merciful. So when we make excuses for ourselves, when we sugarcoat what it is that we've done, when it's clearly bad behavior, it's evil, uh, to say, look, you know, God tells me not to use bad language, but I swore it's not a big deal. I, you know, no, we have to catch ourselves when we do this. And when we do this, we say, you know, God forgive me, allow me to do better next time. And God is most merciful. God will forgive us. The last thing we want is to uh, try to uh, clear ourselves of any blame, is we accept responsibility. This is something that Satan does not do. And again, Satan being a metaphor for the ego and looking at his characteristics for what it means to have an ego, we see how does Satan respond when he's called out for his shortcomings. And what we see is that when God is interacting with Satan, Satan blames God for his shortcomings. In 7.16, it says, he said, so Satan said, since you have willed that I go astray, I will skulk for them on your straight path. And Satan is taking the blame away from himself and saying, God, you made me this way. You willed that I go astray. And what he didn't realize is Satan had the freedom of choice. 
He could cho- uh, choose to follow God or he can choose to follow his own ego. He happened to choose his ego. And in order to save his ego, to protect his ego, what he's doing is he's self-justifying. He's blaming someone else. One of the names of the Day of Judgment is the Day of Mutual Blaming. Because on the Day of Judgment, the disbeliever will never accept responsibility for what they've done. They're going to point the finger at everyone else. It's their leaders. It's their scholars. It's their spouse. It's their children. It's blah, 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 blah. And they will never point the finger at themselves and say, I'm the one to blame. I'm the one with the shortcomings. And because I self-justified, I never was able to identify what was wrong and fix it. God tells us in the Quran, the second commandment is not to bear false witness. And this is the importance because Every day we're witnessing our own actions. No one has a better sense of our own actions than ourselves. But ironically, we are the most likely to deceive ourselves and to justify our own actions. And 4.135 says, Oh, you who believe, you shall be absolutely equitable and observe God when you serve as witnesses, even against yourselves or your parents or your relatives. So God is telling us we have to be absolutely equitable. And when we bear witness against ourselves, be absolutely uh, err on the side of being uh, more harsh with ourselves than more le- uh, giving ourselves more leeway because we have this predisposition of self-justification. So the signs of ego, again, is thinking that we're better than anyone else, better than other people, right? When Satan says, I'm better than he, uh, putting our opinion above, above that of God is a sign of arrogance. And that's what happened when Satan said, I don't want to serve the human being. And um, self-justification or mutual blaming is pointing the finger at someone else or making excuses for ourselves rather than accepting responsibility. And the fourth one is to believe that you have power independent of God. So this is something that the human being has expanded on from Satan, which is really sad because Satan knew he had no power aside from what God gave him, that if God destined him for hell, he's going to hell. But the human being is even worse than Satan. Because the human being believes, certain human beings believe that their ego's gotten so large that they believe they have power independent of God. The, one of the definitions of idol worship is to believe anything other than God can harm or benefit us. In 576, it says, say, would you worship beside God powerless idols who can neither harm you nor benefit you? God is here omniscient. In 25.3 says, yet they set up beside him gods who do not create anything they themselves are created and who possess no power to even harm or benefit themselves, nor do they possess any power to control life or death or resurrection. If any good deed we do, any bad deed we do is completely controlled, the outcome of that is completely controlled by God. Meaning that if Satan wants to go and mess someone's life up, there are certain limits that God puts And it's correspondent with the level of belief and the level of uh, uh, soul development of that individual, meaning that no one is going to get more of a retribution than they deserve and no one's going to get more of a reward than they deserve. All this is perfectly calculated by God. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. He's closer to us in our jugular vein. He's closer to us than our heart. And this is a power that only God holds to harm or benefit us. And harm is literally the choice to walk away from God, to distance ourselves from God. In 7188, we read the messenger's response. It says, say, I have no power to benefit myself or harm myself. Only what God wills happens to me. So if we believe that we have power independent of God, that anything or the ability to think, to, uh, to, to, to see, to talk, to write, uh, to communicate, to uh, the connections we have, if we think these powers are independent of God, that we possess powers to harm or benefit ourselves, then that's our ego. And I'll give you a very simple example. God tells us exactly what is uh, prohibited. We're not allowed to lie, cheat, steal. But if I think I can benefit myself 
by doing these things, by lying, by cheating, by stealing, that I'm going to get an upper hand above what God has decreed for me in this life, then that is my ego. And you see the example of the, the, the farmer who was so sure of his abilities in um, 1836. This is, moreover, I think this is it. I do not think that the hour, the hereafter will ever come to pass. Even if I'm returned to my Lord, I will be clever enough to possess an even better one, a garden, over there. And this is a clear uh, sign of an ego, to believe that you have power independent of God, that this individual is clever because of his own merit, that it's not that God bestowed upon him intelligence and knowledge. And again, if God wills, God can remove this from the person. Then who do they have? Because all power belongs to God. And God is the one who allocates it to whoever we, he wills. So all these things is for us to identify what it is to have an ego. So if we think that we're better than other people, if we uh, self-justify, if we believe we have power independent of God, and if we put our opinion above that of God, his messenger, his revelations, uh, to the point that God gives us a commandment, for instance, ablution is four steps. You wash your... Uh, <laughs> You wash your face, arms to the elbows, wipe your head, wash your feet. If you add five, six, seven steps to ablution, then you're putting up a God beside God. God tells us before we eat, we mention God's name. If we choose not to, then we're putting a God beside God. So we have to follow only God's opinion. And then the uh, believing that you have, uh, if there is you yourself can harm or benefit yourself independent of God, um, then this is the uh, the fourth sign of an ego. So how do we kill our ego, you know, rather than just saying, hey, this is how we identify it. And the question is, how do we kill it? And the one thing I can think that ultimately from the example of Satan would have eliminated his ego is to obey God. And how do we obey God? God gave Satan a commandment, said, serve the human being. And what did Satan do? Satan said, I don't want to. Ultimately, we know from the previous podcast, you submit willingly or unwillingly, even though Satan refused to serve, he's still ultimately serving the human being. But that's the answer, is how do I serve? How do I put myself second to serve other people? How do I use my resources, my time, my connections to help other people? If we can do this to put ourselves second to the others that we uh, to, to, to help by giving to charity, by striving, by trying to please God, then that is the only way we're going to be able to, uh, to efficiently, successfully kill our egos. So we have to ask ourselves, how can I serve? How can I give to charity? How can I do more? How can I help other people's? And this doesn't mean you just uproot, give everything away, live on the uh, the clothes that are in your back. I mean, that's a very extreme case. In 2877, it says, Use the provisions bestowed upon you by God to seek the abode of the hereafter without neglecting your share in this world. Be charitable as God has been charitable towards you. Do not keep on corrupting the earth. God does not love the corruptors. So what we have to do is we have to get to a point that when we give, it gets awkward, it gets uncomfortable. We feel like I don't have enough time to help this other person, to lend an ear, to sp uh, spread a, a word of encouragement, to give a dollar. When we get to that threshold, we know that, okay, what we're doing is we're chiseling away at our ego. We're, we're reducing it. We're to the point of God willing, eliminating it completely. And another example is in chapter 59, verse 9. And it's talking about the uh, the people who immigrated because they were being oppressed. This is as for those who provided them with a home and refuge and were believers before them. They loved those who immigrated to them and find no hesitation in their hearts in helping them. In fact, they readily give them priority over themselves, even when they themselves need what they give away. Indeed, those who overcome their natural stinginess are the successful ones. 
So if you can put yourself secondary to put other people's in front of you, and it's funny, a lot of people when you say, look, you have to help other people's, they're thinking they have to go to some developing country and, you know, uh, do all this work. Start by helping your mom do the dishes. Start by helping, uh, around the house. Do some chores. Help your uh, teacher. Put the chairs away. Do something to help other people to show that you're prioritizing the benefit of other people. And when you do that, God seeing that, God seeing that righteous work you're doing to please God, God is going to reward you for it. And it's the best thing we can do. It's the only way we can efficiently, successfully kill our egos to come back to God's kingdom and to not allow Satan to have a claim against us. Because again, Satan wants nothing more than our egos to win. And he's going to extend every single invitation for us to try to accept it. And we should not fall into that trap. So God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments, questions, uh, if you guys got topics you want us to cover, don't hesitate. Reach out, QuranTalk at gmail.com. Again, QuranTalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless. Hey, God.